ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org, again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. Again, if you're on Twitter, the Twitter handle is at sfdiocese, and you want to use the hashtag ignition so it gets right to us. Um, Today, I'm happy to have in studio with me, Monsignor Charles Mangan. Good morning, Monsignor Mangan. Good morning to you, Dr. Bergwald. Or afternoon or whatever time people are listening. (laughs) Uh, And and today, Monsignor and I are going to be visiting about, we are in the middle here. If you're you're listening to this on the radio um, or if you're listening to this by podcast around the time it's released, we're in the middle of September and there's there's four Marian feasts that we're going to be talking about um, this month, uh, in this episode. Four Marian feasts, all in September, that we'll talk about um, this month. But before we do that, just to introduce ourselves a little bit, again, I mentioned my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been, been in that role for uh, 17 years now, since uh, September of 2002. Um, and more importantly, been married to Jermaine for a little bit longer, 20 plus years. And she and I have five kids and we live on the east side of Sioux Falls. Monsignor Mangan, would you mind in case somehow somebody has ever heard of you, <laughs> which is highly unlikely, at least in our diocese, uh, but maybe listeners elsewhere, who's Monsignor Charles Mangan? Thank you, Dr. Bergwald. Yes, I am uh, ordained 30 years this year, so I was ordained in 1989. Uh, I grew up in Aberdeen with my mother and dad, and I'm one of six children, second of six. Um, I've been in the office of the Marian Apostolate, a new office that Bishop Swain established 10 years ago in July of, 19, of 2009. And also for the diocese, I do some work in canon law, the church's law, as well as being the vicar for consecrated life, being involved with those communities in which poverty, chastity, and obedience are pledged. Uh, And finally, I am uh, also one of the missionaries of mercy whom Pope uh, Francis established uh, in 2016 during the Jubilee of Mercy. So uh, I'm very blessed, and it's such a joy to be with you. Great. It's great to have you, Monsignor. Um, so you mentioned you're the director of the Married Apostle, a new office, but 10 years old, Monsignor. I don't know if it's new anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It was new it was 10 new years ago. It was new at one time, yes. <laughs> and, and Bishop Swain, I thought, was uh, very insightful when he thought it would be wonderful for us to have a way in which to recognize Mary's presence. And I always remembered Bishop Swain didn't say, we're going to put Mary's present in our diocese. She's already present, and she was already present 10 years ago but it's to recognize her presence in the diocese. And so the Marian Apostolate, by way of talks, uh, written materials, encouragement, uh, tries to do just that. Great. 
Great. And, and um, for anybody who does know you, which is, of course, many people in the diocese, um, it was no surprise at all that, that you were named as, I don't know if the director or whatever the title is for that particular office, because of your own study of, but more importantly, relationship with devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. I'm wondering before we get into the, the, the four feasts that we're going to focus on today, Monsignor, um, and I, I know we didn't talk about this, so please, I hope you can just go with me here, but would you mind sharing with our listeners just briefly and frankly, with me, because I don't think I know, what's the origin of your own personal devotion to Our Lady? Really, Dr. Bergwald, I think it goes back to uh, my family life. Uh, we had a very large picture of Mary holding Jesus in our living room at mm. home, actually in our dining room. Aberdeen, South Dakota, In correct. Aberdeen, yes. Yep. And I was a member at Sacred Heart Parish in Aberdeen. I uh, grew up there, went to Catholic school there, served Mass there for eight years. Um I think uh, for me, Marian devotion was just very natural. Mm. I think because of my dear mother uh, mm. also loving her so much that there wasn't too much distinction, mm. uh, if you will, between how I saw Mary in heaven and how I saw my mother, my mm-hmm. earthly mother. Um, and thank God she's still alive at age 91 and doing well. But um, it's really a fascinating thing. Uh, I would say for me, it would just kind of seemed in the, in the normal course of things that we would honor Mary. And I might also say that I had the presentation sisters of the Blessed Virgin Mary mm-hmm. as teachers. And of course, their uh, order is especially devoted to Mary. And uh, with all that in mind, I think that re- was really the beginning, the foundation. As I went then on into college and in the seminary, met many wonderful people who fostered that in me, encouraged me in that, and it's been just another great blessing of my life. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Uh, so now, four, four feasts. I'm, I'm going to sort of just... That's what we're going to be talking about today, and, and I don't know if you how we want to go through them. Start at the presumably we'll start at the beginning. Uh, I would expect that how we'd flow, but I'll leave it up to you to decide. Sure. Well, you're right. <clears throat> we have four great feast days, and we must say I think it's good to know that if our folks were to open the missalette, mm-hmm. uh, right. they wouldn't find right. everyone, uh, and so there are distinctions in terms of the church's <clears throat> liturgical calendar and how the church. Uh, raises up certain feast days, and there's a particular bit of festivity with some that there isn't with others. Right. It's not to say that others are less important. It's just to say a lot of it, I think, has to do with history and how things have flowed. But the so, first, I think, yes. so I think of how um, uh, so many times there's not only Mary, um, the Blessed Virgin Mary, but saints, obviously, other saints are celebrated. Well, there are far more saints than there's room for in an annual calendar. Even if you filled every all 365 days, there's more than 365 saints. Yes, and as a matter of fact, if a person picks up the big red book called the Martyrology, which is published by the Vatican Press in Rome, um, you'll see thousands and thousands and thousands of names. And most of the days have 12 saints. Right. You know, 15 saints. And then, of course, you might have one martyr who has 120 companions. Right. You know, martyrs and companions, we call them. So with that in mind, you're right. Uh, We have many, many thousands, tens of thousands of canonized saints. uh, And for that reason, uh, we can't have a space on the general calendar. We have the general Roman calendar, which is used throughout the world. Mm -hmm. But then there are diocesan calendars. There There are national calendars. Uh, so here in the United States, for example, 
Uh, one example would be Blessed Stanley Rother, who was um, named Blessed uh, not too long ago. So he's on our national calendar, but he wouldn't say be on the national calendar calendar of Portugal. Right. Right. Um, so with that in mind, we have many feast days of Our Lady throughout the year, and it just so happens in September. The first one that we really think about is the Nativity of Mary, or mm-hmm. if you will, the birth of Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, this is September 8th. Okay. Uh, this year, September 8th, was on a Sunday, so as a result, we did not have that during the Mass. But because Sundays take precedence t- over Sundays almost take precedence. every memorial. Almost every. There are some examples of Holy Days and some solemnities which will take precedence over Sundays. Right. But generally speaking, in the liturgical calendar... Uh, that is correct. Uh, correct. So the birth of Mary, the idea that our Blessed Mother was born as you and I were born uh, from our parents, and that for many centuries the Church has seen this as an important day. And it's really, in some way, you know, we also, of course, uh, adore the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, recognize his birthday on the 25th of December and the birth of St. John the Baptist on the 24th of June So with that in mind, uh, we are able to say, look, Mary fits in so well Mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ, of course, and the precursor, St. John the Baptist. So it just so happens that the church sets aside uh, September 8th for us to remember her birthday. So, Monsignor, um, John the Baptist's birth is when it is, because we know from Scripture that John was born six months before our Lord. So we have traditionally, of course, um, we could be fun maybe do an episode sometime uh, closer to Christmas on the dating of Christmas. Yes. Um, We don't know exactly when Jesus was born. It may not have been in December at all, but that date's been um, assigned for the date that we celebrate his birth for from the the first millennium. Um, So because we celebrate his birth, Day, December 25th, six months before then is June 25th or 24th. We celebrate it then. So that's why John's is celebrated then. Is there a, a reason, a calendar reason why, or what's the, do you know the reason why Mary's birth is celebrated on September 8th? Uh, really, it's similar insofar as we celebrate her Immaculate Conception on December 8th. Of course. And so we have those nine months. Now, uh, it might be one of the things, again, that we would say, um, it's hard for us to specify with 100% exactitude whether our Blessed Lady was born on the 8th of September. Maybe she was. Uh, but this is the date that the Church has given to us. Right. Okay. I, I Thank you for... I didn't connect those dots December 8th to September 8th, so thank you for that. Yes. Um, any, any significant... Well, not significance... Um, for us, again, it's past this year, but when we come to September 8th next year, if we if we if anybody thinks of this podcast, uh, any particular angle that you propose we reflect, meditate, pray on with the feast of the birth of Mary? I think one of the angles could well be that um, the church sees fit in recognizing Mary not just at her death when she left this earth with great grace, with incredible favor from God, but also to say that Mary is a person who was followed, if you will, by grace throughout her life. Mm -hmm. In other words, um, you know, when we think of the great saints, uh, we have so many, but oftentimes we're looking at them especially 
at the time of their death. Mm -hmm. And we say, all right, they departed this earth uh, with incredible grace, incredible favor from God, and so forth. With our Blessed Mother, uh, we can actually say that she was born in that condition. Right. So uh, we look at her and say, this is a mission that God gave to her. It's not a mission that we only sent her on in terms of her adult life and her death, but it's a mission that has followed her through. And as a matter of fact, we could even go back nine months earlier and say so much the same with her mm-hmm. Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, too, with some of the feast days, there is a particular uh, connection, if you will, with a particular church that was built. Sure. Uh, for example, when we think of um, the feast of St. Mary Major on the 5th of August, um, yes, we're honoring Mary, as some call her it because of historical reasons, Our Lady of the Snows, because of this great story about how it snowed in Rome in August that year, and the Pope was aware of that and constructed this basilica in honor of Mary, and it's today called St. Mary Major. So a lot of times, feast days are connected with a particular church. Uh, But with the Nativity of Mary, uh, I really think we can say the church wants us to recognize that this is a person who had holiness and closeness to God throughout her whole life. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as if uh, it only started when she became the mother of the Lord or uh, after Jesus died, but it was something that was there always. Amen. Okay, great. Thank you. So that's the first one, September 8th. Yes. Uh, the, the Nativity, the birth of Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mother. Yes, exactly. So uh, a great day. Then we move on to the 12th of September, which is the feast of the holy name of Mary. The most holy name is what the uh, Roman Missal says. Now, interestingly, this feast day was also celebrated uh, prior to the reforms of the Second Vatican Council. Okay. But it did fall into disuse. It was no longer on the calendar mm-hmm. in 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing with the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is in January. Right. So St. John Paul II, uh, as the Holy Father, decided to put back on the calendar the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus and the Holy Name of Mary, the most holy name of each. For that reason, now we have this 12th of September, uh, a great day, because we're reminded that in the name of Jesus, there is power. Mm. In the name of Mary, there is power too. It's a kind of power that comes from the holy name of Jesus. So everything we can say about Mary is somehow connected to Christ. The same thing with her name. Um, Many of the angels have, or many of the saints rather, have talked about throughout the centuries uh, having personal experience of the power of the name of Mary, just as the power of the name of Jesus, especially in terms of protection from sickness, protection from diabolical influence, protection from attacks, mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, the Church reminds us that in the name of Mary, there is great power because of who Mary was and her connection to Christ. I might also say for our listeners here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls they would be happy to know that this year on the 12th of September was also the 76th birthday of Bishop Swain. Right, right. So uh, Bishop Swain is so blessed to be able to have a great Feast of Mary as his birthday. Amen, amen. If you're just tuning in, this is 
Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, and Monsignor Charles Megan is with me. And today we're talking about um, the four Marian feasts here in this month of September that we are just over halfway through now. Um, we've already talked about two of them, uh, the 8th, the Nativity or Birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the 12th, um, the Most Holy Name of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which, as you just mentioned, is also... Um, our, our Bishop, Bishop Paul Swain's birthday. Although you never know, Monsignor, we're recording this a couple of weeks early, so it's possible <laughs> that, well, he'd still be Bishop, but maybe Bishop Emeritus by the time this actually airs. We just don't know. We we're don't still know. praying yeah, to the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Asking the Holy Spirit to lead us. <clears throat> Amen. So two down, Monsignor, two to go. Yes. The third great Marian feast in September is the 15th of September, which is the memorial of Our Lady of sorrows. Mm-hmm. Some uh, books you'll notice, some calendars will talk about Our Lady's dolors. A dolor, D O L O R, is the Latin word for sorrow. Mm-hmm. So we talk mm-hmm. about the seven sorrows of Mary, right. uh, which is a very long uh, tradition. On this feast day, we're reminded of how our Blessed Mother, throughout her life, experienced many sorrows. Amen. Uh, and this is important for us to realize. Of course, she experienced many joys, but uh, Mary came to earth, uh, thanks be to God. She became the mother of the Lord at a very young age. She had joys and sorrows both. Amen. And uh, we think of the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. We think of the seven sorrows devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary that enumerates those sorrows that have been spoken of by authors. Various authors, as you know, Dr. Bergwald, have used different lists of the sorrows of Mary. Uh, but the current list we use has certainly been around for many, many centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not forget also that the day before the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, we have the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, right. or the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. Right. That is that uh, Jesus died on the cross and was exalted. The Lord, the Lord's uh, lordship and kingship were seen even on the cross. Mm-hmm. As one writer years ago said, the Lord never occupied any greater pulpit, mm-hmm. any greater ambo or lectern than the cross. And the glory of Christ shone from Calvary. Amen. So uh, here we have, it's really kind of a companion of feasts, if you will, uh, with the heart of, uh, with Jesus on the cross and Mary at the foot of the cross. So now just like... Um, with the the birth and nativity of Mary that fell on a Sunday, and now depending, you might be listening to this as as we're airing on the radio. Yesterday potentially was the fifteenth, also a Sunday, so we didn't observe it. But it's still, just, I guess, with with both of these Marian feasts that this year fell on on Sundays, uh, it's still proper and right to to observe them personally, wouldn't it be? Yes, the church still is conscious of these, right. as she always is. You know, um, it could be, let's just take a date, it's 17th of April, and the church is still conscious of the birth of Christ and the death of Christ Amen. and the ascension of Christ. You know, <clears throat> the church is always very aware of the mystery, the paschal mystery of Christ, as the church is also aware of how Our Lady fits into that mystery. Okay, great. So uh, September 8th, the Nativity, 
uh, September 12th, the most holy name of Mary. September 15th, Our Lady of Sorrows. We've got about seven minutes left to devote to uh, this this final, um, in a sense, as we'll see, kind of, I don't know, double feast, if you will, and, and then some concluding thoughts about Monsignor. So what's the fourth feast? The fourth feast is on the 24th of September. And if our friends who are listening would open up the Missalette, they probably won't find this. Right. Uh, but nevertheless, it's on the general calendar insofar as it's part of the church's heritage. Uh, it's not celebrated by name, probably, in many places, though it is celebrated in certain religious orders and certain countries. And I'm referring to here is the Feast of Our Lady of Mercy, and some would have the title Our Lady of Ransom. Mm. Now, Our Lady of Mercy, uh, the whole idea that uh, Mary, as a good and holy mother, as any good and holy mother, shows compassion to her children. And certainly Our Lady exercises mercy insofar as she prays for us, gives us good example, helps her son prepare a place for us, and so forth in heaven. So the idea that Mary is constantly compassionate, she has compassion for her sons and daughters, uh, she is the woman of mercy. She mm-hmm. is the one who has received mercy from Christ, mm-hmm. and she sang about that mercy in the Magnificat in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Uh, so we recognize Mary as Our Lady of Mercy. Now, there is a wonderful tradition of Our Lady also called Our Lady of Ransom. And um, there is a particular order in the church, the Mercedarians. They're not the only one. But the word uh, mercedarian comes from the word that means mercy. Uh, Well, in the Middle Ages, the mercedarians actually would ransom themselves in order to free slaves. Mm. So how that worked was a member of the mercedarian order would approach a slave owner and offer to give himself in substitution of the slave so that the slave could be a free person. Right. So when we talk about Our Lady as Our Lady of Ransom, um, she, of course, is the one who gives us a beautiful view of what this looks like because she herself has offered herself to Christ in loving service and oftentimes silent service Mm -hmm. so that we might become closer to Christ by way of her prayer, by way of her good example, by way of her, uh, her kindness. And similarly, a number of the religious orders recognize Our Lady today, the 24th of September, as Our Lady of Mercy or slash Our Lady of Ransom. The whole idea that Mary is concerned. You know, she is not, Dr. Bergwald, a queen who is far afield from her subjects. And Christ, of course, is not a king who is far afield from his subjects. Amen. Our king and queen are close, and they know our human condition. They know our dreams, our desires, our fears, our aspirations, our sorrows, our joys. And with that in mind, you know, our king and our queen are close to us, and they're kingly, they're queenly, but they are kind, they are good, and they are merciful. And really, this feast of Our Lady of Mercy, Our Lady of Ransom, recognizes particularly the mercy of Mary, which, of course, derives... And comes from the mercy of Christ. Jesus. Amen. Um, just a, a fun sort of personal story uh, f- 
for me about this particular feast day, September 24th. Several years ago, um, I guess it would be like four or five years ago, um, the phone rang on September 24th, and it was one of my brothers-in-law, Daniel. And I thought Daniel was calling me to wish me a belated happy birthday because my birthday falls the day before, September 23rd. And we'll be talking about that in an upcoming episode as well. For Not, not because of me, not my birthday, <laughs> but the date and, and somebody whose feast day is on that date. Um, so I thought Daniel was calling me to, to wish me a belated happy birthday. But he wasn't. He asked instead for my youngest daughter, Mercedes. Because Daniel himself is is married to a Spaniard, um, she's from Madrid, and her name is Mercedes Mercedes. Um, mm. They they say it in Spain right. um, with the th sound instead of the c. So uh, Mercedes, my sister in law, knew of the significance of September twenty fourth as the f- name day, feast name, however you put that, of Our Lady of Mercies. Um, Our Lady of, I don't know, Mary Mercedes. And so they were calling to wish my daughter, um, who's also Daniel's goddaughter, a happy feast day. So it wasn't about my birthday. It was about uh, the feast day, uh, (laughs) the name day for our our fifth child, uh, Mercedes Elise. So I just thought that was... That's great. I had no idea of this. That was the first I'd ever heard of this particular feast day because because it's not on the universal calendar. Right, right. And we should also say, Dr. Bergwald, that here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, we have the discalced Carmelites mm. uh, in Alexandria, and it just so happens that their uh, Carmel, their monastery, is named mm-hmm. Our Mother of Mercy and St. Joseph. So with that in mind, we have a very interesting connection here. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. So, Monsignor, we've just got about three and a half minutes left. Um, we've been looking at, again, these four Marian feasts uh, in the month. First of all, just to sort of a question, is there any other month that has four that comes to There probably is, isn't there? Do you, I know that's a on-the-spot quiz question. I don't mean to... Let's see. Um, now, let's think about this. Um, one could make a claim, let's see, December, we would have... December 8th would be yeah. Immaculate Conception. Yeah. The 9th is St. Juan Diego. Mm-hmm. The 11th is... I beg your pardon. The 10th is Our Lady of Loretto. Oh, and 12th. I think, right, and the twelfth is Our Lady of Guadalupe, yep. and also one could lay uh, make a claim uh, for is it the ninth or tenth, which is Our Lady of Good Help, oh my, which okay. is the feast day here in the United States, <clears throat> right? Uh, Champion, Wisconsin has the shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, right? The only approved Marian uh, apparition right. in the United States, right? Right. So we've got. Four so December's pretty full. Yes. Okay, yes. okay, okay. So, but I was surprised at how full September was, that there were four Marian yes. feasts. So, so again, now we just took another minute talking about that. So in the minute and a half that we have left, any any kind of closing thoughts to wrap up these, these four feasts for our listeners? Well, I would say, Dr. Bergwald, let's never forget that I like to use the image, and it's not mine, it's one that I've heard, about God's kaleidoscope. You know, a kaleidoscope that you look at and see all mm-hmm. these beautiful colors. Well, the same can be said here with, uh, with Mary and her feasts. There are so many aspects of her life, just as there are so many aspects of the life of Christ. And whatever we can say about Mary, we can say about Christ in some, some way, some mm-hmm. particular way. Well, the point here is that um, these Marian feasts remind us of the multi-splendored nature, the multicolored, if you will, like the coat of St. Joseph from the book mm-hmm. of Genesis, you know, the, mm-hmm. the that cloak that he had, and uh, the whole idea of multicolored, multi-splendored, m- uh, many aspects 
Uh, with that in mind, I think we can only marvel at the goodness of God, that he knows how to draw his people in ways that will be attractive to them. Right. Right. So all these beautiful Marian feasts, um, maybe there's one particular, it might be for me, my personality might be um, what I'm going through this particular year, the, this month, uh, but but especially uh, because of Mary and her preeminence among the, the saints, um, as she is the greatest saint, the greatest disciple, a beautiful witness there. So Yes, and let's not forget that Our Lady of Sorrows, I think, really speaks to us always, but perhaps at particularly at specific times in our lives. Amen. Thank you, Monsignor. And welcome, that, Dr. Bergman. That will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org with any questions. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.